Two. Okay, sorry. We're, we're back on uh, Montage Through Cinema. Yeah. We're here with Ari and Bepford, Taylor Hentrip, Zach Crossway, Dylan Bernard, Nabil Awad. <laughs> Say hi, guys. Hello. How you doing? All right. Well, so well, now, well, now we're going to talk about a movie <laughs> that um, maybe I'm more knowledgeable. I mean, you guys might be too. But uh, the film by Lynn Ramsey, You Were Never Really Here. This is... Um, her newest film, uh, she also made, we need to talk about Kevin. a great woman director. Yes, actually. A great female director. With interesting sound design. That's true. Actually, That's I, true. I think, I think like, the best sound directors. That's true. Was it? Yes. I, think it, I think it should win sound design. If, if you're talking, if, if the Oscars come yeah. out tomorrow. It definitely should. Joaquin Phoenix should, should win. Nominated best so, so uh, and editing in general, great editing. editing was great too. Leading into it, I think this film is like really, really close to like my style of film. I I can't really see a lot of complaints with it. My complaints of it are I kind of wish I'd see, like I went to the movies with a person who isn't as you know see sees, doesn't see as many movies as you me. Want to see the action. I, I didn't want to see the action. I wanted to see when there's there's one part where he the police come in. Oh, spoilers for you were never really here. Uh, you were never really here as a revenge story, pretty much. That's yes. that's the well, synopsis. It seems like a conventional revenge story. Sure, exactly. Sure. It, yeah. seems, it seems like that, but it's not at all. Um, so let's get kind of. We'll see. We'll go into it's that. I think I think the movie is very good. Okay. So okay. So there, there's a sequence where um, he two police men come in to shoot shoot the receptionist and attack him, take a girl, right? And then I think yeah, he, he fights them off. The t- he fights off the policeman, one of them, and then he escapes out through a um, what is it called the the fire escape. And there's there's times where I kind of wish I just I love Joaquin's performance. Um, because when he's like standing next to, for instance, his grandma or not his grandma, his mother, and um, she's watching Psycho, he, like the way his arms fall by his side, <laughs> the way his arms they don't fall to his like actual like side, they fall to his they fall like five inches away from his side, mm-hmm. also like propelled up a little bit like mm-hmm. this. It was very interesting, and when I love like, when when he was just he would just be standing up and he would just talk like this. And remember, it, our viewers yeah. can't. Uh, or listeners aren't going to be able to see. Are you standing up, listeners? Hand up and whoever you may be, in his waist. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't he go like? Well, he does. He does that. That's another thing he does. But I just loved watching the character move. Thank you for the general. sound with that. By the way, it was great. I loved watching the character move. I loved watching when he like throws a knife at his toes and stuff like that. And I would have. My my friend's complaint was that there was too many shots of him in the cars driving, too many shots of him in the car waiting. But I wanted more, a little bit more than that than I got. Maybe, maybe yeah, I wanted like horrifying it. up there. There's 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 times where um, he's going on the fire the fire escape. So that's one of my complaints is like there's like shots where he just fights these guys off. He's going down the hallway. A, the fire escape ladder falls down. Cut. I would love to see just this character injured going down a ladder, mm-hmm. seeing Joaquin Phoenix really try. Maybe maybe they did shoot it. Maybe they it didn't work out. Maybe it was too awkward. But that's well, the only I I should, can't complain about this. It's film. a very short movie. Um, you can't. I don't know how much they did cut out. Well, that's uh, short as in it's in like ninety minutes, like exactly. Concise. We should uh, we should mention at this point that Nabil has actually seen two different cuts of this film. Wow! If you want to, I have. Explain. <laughs> I was at Gun last year yes. and I saw the Gun cut, and it was shorter. Wow! What? About how much? Fifteen minutes, something like that. That's a big difference for the cut. Yeah. It was much. I'm not sure exactly. It's really surreal to watch a movie one year later. You know, that's just where stuff is organized differently. So I can, well, one thing they made it less violent, as far as I can remember. I remember it being more violent. But a lot less of this may violent, just, a lot it? of this may just be my memory, though. I'm not sure. Like, oh. I, 
But I remember it being like hyper violent, and then when I saw it, I'm like, okay, this is kind of less. I'm, I'm guessing um, they did because it seems like there are scenes where they cut away from the violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more realistic to me. That didn't actually take. Yeah, the one thing is it was less. I remember being less violent and just. There was no big big difference. Just the, or things were organized kind of differently. It was like a like a different cut. Like nothing major, no major change. Just okay. longer and sections organized a little differently, but very minor. Not really. Yeah, I just remember being shorter and more violent is the thing. So I wouldn't be able to give you that much of a, like a a, a scoop, mm-hmm. but because the film's really interesting with violence, if you haven't seen it, um, it kind of so. There's multiple points in the movie where um, Joaquin Phoenix is kind of is he's walking through um, an, I, an area also, about to I, fight I people. Think, I think that this film is actually like very funny. Um, really, I thought it was more funny than Zama. I thought Zama made me laugh like three times. I think this film made me laugh like ten. I'm I'm on the other. Side. I think Zama's funniest. Which is yeah, it's interesting. It's two comedies. Lucrezia <laughs> Martel did say it was very good. The Zama was supposed to be both very funny. films make me sad. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I laughed in both. Is there each the way that they shoot? Um, almost all of the action scenes uh, they shoot in like the security camera footage for uh, there's a moment it's just like Taxi Driver where he goes into a mm-hmm. goes into a brothel place where they have underage girls they're having but all actually, sorts of actually gross stuff girls. yeah exactly really, yeah they actually um, Jodie Foster is underage too but it was she, still Jodie Foster she was like 14 though and she looked like she was 16 I think in this one it's like actual 8 year olds and it's it's, it's a very frightening well, moment you know, Hollywood has a lot of Okay. Very frightening. Very frightening. <laughs> so, so Joaquin Phoenix breaks into uh, the Hollywood offices to, steal, to help all these young girls, but um, it's it shot like security cam footage that every single time that um, he's about to fight Seems someone like or, or kill someone, oh, yeah, he they cut away. No, it's like it's like the it's like an. Yeah, well, it actually, it's is like, like a senator. It's like a senator. Or, yeah, it's but, a politician. But, but, yeah. No, but in the beginning, he's going to a brothel that's run by Asians, I believe. No, no, the one to the U.S. Yeah, the one. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. still connected yeah. to the so U.S. We're, wow. So, so, um, Joaquin Phoenix has to. He's hired by the senator to find his daughter, and that's the film. Yes, he he's going to go right. find his daughter. Um, he eventually, since we're going to spoilers, no, he knows where the daughter is. He needs to get her back. Exactly. Yeah. So he has. He he plans how to get in. He he finds his way in eventually. Mm-hmm. He gets her. Um, turns out that the the place itself is run by uh, the New York government and the governor of New York. So that's essentially it's a it's a much larger scale um, problem going on that we we you had no idea that it'd be as, as large it sounds, scale. As it, it, sounds, it sounds crazy when you're saying it like that. The the thing I like about this film, which I didn't like about I don't know Hitman Forty Seven Eight, <laughs> right, is that. They they really I think make it realistic by making it like him less professional. Like in a in a hitman movie, I feel like okay, so what happens is in the scene, um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix waits outside for like I don't know like seven hours outside the the apartment. He sees a messenger go in, and he sees like the 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 consumer guys go, the Asian men go in, and then the messenger leaves. Grabs the messenger, tells him like, oh, I'm gonna like what's what's inside there. But the way they were doing it. It wasn't like he was like faking it. It wasn't. It didn't feel fake to me. It wasn't like, oh, how many do they have guns? Do they have pistols? It's like, where are they? Like, what are they doing? Like, where are they facing? First floors. How many floors? Like, it wasn't bullshit to me. Whereas a lot of movies, I think, because they don't, because you can't understand what a hitman is, they say, oh, like, how many, how many wiretaps do you have? Bullshit. That's bull, that you know you can't relate to, and also might not even be real because you're not a hitman, and it just it grounded it. 
And then it also it also grounded it when he's just using a hammer and he's walking up. The thing is, like you think, like I, you know, a hitman should crouch and like go up and then like take cover, right? But the way he was just walking everywhere, that to me for some reason made it so realistic. That's what you would do. He takes the train. He takes a train. Yeah. You you don't as a hitman you don't crouch because I mean especially when he goes he goes to the government's uh, the governor's uh, mansion. Mm-hmm. If they see a crouching guy, <laughs> it's gonna be ten times more, like more. Uh, yeah, you do see that see that in a lot of movies too. Someone crouching and running yeah. up to and, and that's bullshit. Yeah, to yeah. Me. that's I think bullshit to me. Yeah, it's interesting you're talking about like hitman movies because I think. In a way, this film is almost a, a takedown of a more contemporary genre than even that, where it's this like emotionally damaged killer, you know? Yeah. Like Drive is an example of that, yeah. where you have this sort of, yeah. you know, emotionally removed person that does these horrible acts of violence in, in you know, the name of like protecting somebody. Yeah. And what makes this film, in my opinion, so interesting is that it really dives into that character and says, well, okay, why are they that way? You know, why are they so emotionally removed and, like, willing to do these horrible acts? And it it removes you from the violence and takes you instead into, like, the the mental sort of violence of the character. But it doesn't spoon-feed it to you. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that's nice, too. I just watched, I posted it on my uh, Facebook also, uh, a Joaquin Phoenix interview with Peter Travers, and I watched a lot of Joaquin Phoenix movies, interviews. I mean, he has a very, he has a pretty legendary late night talk show persona, or you, you can say group of performances for late night TV, right? Where he'll like lie about if he has like a girl, like he lied about getting married on like Letterman like a couple years ago. Oh, so even now you're. And then he goes on to Ellen, and Ellen is like, "Why did you lie?" And he's like, "Oh, well, just people like you more if you're getting married." So. <laughs> and so. I haven't seen any interview of Joaquin Phoenix as honest as him getting interviewed by Peter Travers, of all people. Um, That's wild. Recently, recently. And he talked about, like we're all talking about, how there was this weird element to reading the script. Um, first of all, this is the first film he's ever done where he like didn't meet the director before. She like contacted him and said, hey, can you do this in a year? And he's like, oh, I don't know in a year if I'm still going to want to do it or whatever. And... He had a project that he was going to make that was postponed for whatever reason, and they're going to keep doing the film. He wasn't really clear with what it was. Maybe it has to do with it's Casey. The next maybe it has, um, hopefully, maybe it has to do with Casey Affleck because maybe Casey Affleck is having a tough time getting stuff funded for some western. I don't know. I've read that, but maybe maybe I'm speculating also. Uh, so whatever that mystery movie is, <laughs> it's postponed, and so he decided to do. You were never really here. Um, because there was this unknowable element, you know, that it was like a, like a very known structure, and it was something that he feels like he's read before, but there still was this distance that was like he just still couldn't understand the character. And when he talks, what he does say in the Peter Travers thing is that he did try going into the role, and the only reason he took on the role was to have the opportunity to bring in these other elements, like you're saying, like funny or mm-hmm. um, this really human. Like he talks about it, like he wants, he wanted it to be like getting laughs in odd places or just being like a more vulnerable type of character but I mean he was still talking about it in the Peter Travers interview as if this was something he hasn't quite done before and I don't really necessarily see that as being um, I don't see that as because that the script was that unique but I think how Lynn Ramsey approached him made it seem to him like he'd have more room to really explore ambiguous acting in like a sense that you don't need to be reminded of like the tropes within the film that you you know it's the guy trying to find the girl so that allows everything to him and when you see you were never really here you realize he's like in every fucking shot and he's like 
right there, always there, and that's a very special thing. Even though Joaquin Phoenix is one of the great actors to ever live, like there are not very many directors who have. I'm not going to say have the balls because you know Lynn Ramsey is uh, a great female director. I thought we um, metaphorical well, balls. Have the confidence to say Small. I'm going to put <laughs> I'm going to put the great one of the great actors ever on screen all the time. And that still is a taboo. That still is a taboo. Even if you're the best actor ever, you still can't be on screen as much as he is. And it's film. a confidence, like you yeah. said, 100. percent If you don't have that confidence with your with yourself to to be able to direct such a high profile, uh, a high talented uh, actor, then you're never going to get anywhere. And you could say the same thing with Paul Thomas Anderson. He's been yeah. doing that forever, and it's just or Danny Boyle on 24 Hours. Or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the James Franco best actor, but it's. <laughs> It's it's interesting to because you're right. Joaquin Phoenix is almost in every single uh, scene. He is in every single scene. He's the they fo- we follow him every single time. I don't know. He's probably not in every single shot, obviously, mm-hmm. but he's definitely 100. percent You see everything that he's feeling, everything he wants to yeah. do, um, everything going about him, and there it's it's impressive to see that confidence in that, yeah. that confidence of what yeah. you can do and what you, you yourself mm-hmm. can do. And, it's, and strength, like, yeah. it's really hard to have an eye for this, too, within performance, in contemporary performance, within contemporary cinema, let's say, that most of the acting performances you will see in a film are, are narratively related, and they're like, you know, when they're surprised, they're surprised, they're happy because of this, and there's like this leading thing. And because you have this idea of the structure, because it's a very simple structure that so many movies every movie uses, right, and to, to the compliment of uh, you were never really here, um, it does know that and knows that you already know that, so it lets Joaquin Phoenix be, and, and you know, really, like, as a person, like, he's a very strange body, you know, he's a very strange, like, he's set really of, bulky, he's a very strange set of like eyes, yeah, I don't know of any actor in the history of, of cinema who, I mean, aside from people that, like, got really fat or something, but, uh, <laughs> anybody that actually, like, looks wildly different shot to shot and you know to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson that's also why he cast like Vicky Creeps because he said in some shots she looks really beautiful and really gorgeous and like conventional and then others she looks like she's you know like a commoner or something and she looks bad and Joaquin Phoenix is really like that like he has a very strange physical build that he's been able to like kind of get he gets bigger when he's playing like the uh, the guy in Gladiator or whatever, and it's a very conventional like a villain. Um, I forgot what the character's name is in Gladiator. Emperor. The Emperor, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you don't even see it, but then in, in in the Master, for instance, what Paul Thomas Anderson, one of his theories uh, about why he's like why he he's hunched over in that film is that he said uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he just thinks that that Phoenix is built like that and that he's through his life has trained himself not to do it. And so for the master, specifically for that film, and you can see it in other films too, um, it's not just the master, but it's in the master where he really he really plays on how physically like bent he is, you know, and I think he really accents what is, he actually is, like how he's built. So when you're watching You Were Never Really Here, um, after getting so much more weight, you know, too, and it's not like I'm saying, he's not like Orson Welles or like Brando or something. He gained like 500 pounds. He, he, he gained weight like he'd be a blue-collar construction worker. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, and definitely. in films like The Master, or in films like Inherent Vice, he physically does not look the same in shots. And I don't know how, like really, like in Inherent Vice, he looks so like just a naturally cool hippie, and he walks around like, it's like the physicality, and I don't, he doesn't have a different body, and perhaps he's gained more 
more muscle for certain roles. And in the master, he looks so thin. But I don't know how he does it. It's so beyond. It's so beyond just like gaining weight or not gaining weight. It's yeah. like this physical presence of knowing how to sit up straight or something. Yeah. And then yeah. you were never really here. There's so many shots that are. It's like the microscope, right? It's like looking at his body, and yeah. he has a strange. He has like really weird body. muscle, like sort of location, like where he his traps are are yeah, really far back like and really, either. especially when it was like bruised. Was like yeah, yeah, acting out. Yeah. He's got like really bulky shoulders, which I, that's like a very unique sort of thing. Like a scary. People, yeah, yeah. So, so Neville, I, I hear that you have feelings about this. Film. I don't know. I, I don't. I like the film a lot. I want to ask Taylor about what his thoughts are on it because what did you write you wrote the edit feels that there was a lot of care in it oh yeah the the confidence in each edit is yeah. we were already just ta- talking about confidence but you can you can feel it's that they know what they want to do they know what they're gonna do and they know that they have they they know why they're doing it with each edit and i i yeah. see each one of them mm-hmm. i'm like so oh wow there how can you ha- how can you have the the metaphorical balls to continue, <laughs> continue cutting your film all over the place, but in such in a way that is so. It's it, I don't know about all of you, but it's it's really easy yeah. to visually grasp. But they're all over the place and what they're doing, oh, yeah. and placements and shots and everything, and it all comes together in a really, really not a tight knit bow, but in a in a bow that yeah. it, it works. You can you see it, you understand it, and it's. Oh, yeah. I could imagine that the general audience, because this, this is definitely not a film for the general audience, I would say. I think your daughters. I would say that more people can enjoy it. They just don't know why yeah. um, and how it's edited, because it's, yeah. it's definitely edited differently than well, yeah. most it other uses, actors. You actually, have to listen, you actually have to listen to it, yeah. Yeah. which is really hard to oh, believe. Sound yeah, it's yeah. very hard to believe that you can see it like an action movie with Joaquin Phoenix and you know, I, I'll talk to like an Uber driver about Joaquin Phoenix. Like, <laughs> yeah. like he's pretty well known, you know. Yeah, but like, you have like a hard on for Joaquin. He's, he's great. He's, he's great. great. He's, he's actually got one right now. He's one of the. He's one of the. He's one of the elite actors. I'm not going to yeah, rank no, him. But let's say he's top he's, five. He's definitely. Let's really say there's no one. There's not four actors. He's top five. There's sure. no. There's not five no. men performers no, no. better really than Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. I'm not. We're not going to get into the. We're not going to rank. We're really ranking. No, we're not going to rank. I'm making a joke. No, I'm making a joke. Number one, Gary Oldman. Jesus. So, so I have I have a I have a question for Taylor. How inform me on you, you yourself? How does this kind of like translate to your style? Is this like is this kind of the to film my like, style? Yeah, because I, I I'm, I'm I'm looking at the work because you know of course we're in classes together. Like mm. how does this? This is like very me is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering. This is like what if I could have made a film this year? I, I, if if I could pick a, a every year I could pick a film that I wish I made I had made last year would have been like Manchester by This year would have been. Um, Zama. Zama. No, you were never really here. Um, so, to my style, because it's so far out from what I would imagine how I'd make a film like this, mm-hmm. you're, it's, it's impressive. But what I really like, what I really attach to, mm-hmm. is how it kind of, um, it does, definitely does not cut away from um, emotion, but it cuts yeah. away from like a, a testosterone that you're you're having in a scene. Mm-hmm. So we're, I'm going to spoil this again, because whoever established the spoiling... Um, his mother is his, is killed, yeah. and oh, big God. moment. He has a his relationship with his mother. We see earlier in the film, and it's it's heartbreaking. His mother died. They 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 shoot her directly in the eye through her glasses, and you see this Think through the pillow. Yeah, through the pillow, and it's this, it's this horrible horrible outcome to to his mother. 
and the people that killed his mother are still in the house, and he and that's that's such a like a oh shit oh something's gonna happen something crazy and it does he goes down and shoots both of them and he kills one immediately um, he asks which I love um, which one of you did it because I, I I think a lot of people would. He asked the last guy. And, yeah, and this is where did it. This is where the audio. This is where the audio audio become became muddled. And me and Connor watched the film too. Both of him and I both couldn't uh, delineate what actually was being said. I assumed from the dialogue that this guy did was the one to shoot them all. Is that correct? I, he doesn't admit it, right? I like. He I, says he shoots them all, but he says he he felt fucked up for doing it. I don't like, think I I remembered le- being left vague and open. I don't know exactly. Okay. It, okay. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. He doesn't necessarily answer it. It, it, it was not like a, it was not a thing like oh they didn't do the sound right. Yeah. It, it was a hundred percent. It was a vague answer, and yeah. I don't think he needs to know who did yeah. it. It doesn't. It, it it does matter to him, but to us. In, in general, the situation, it's not going to change, yeah. depending on who killed his mother. And the man that's still left alive, he shoots both of them. One of them's still alive. He's bleeding out slowly. And probably the, one of the best parts of the movie to me, um, he doesn't finish him off. Uh, he completely he completely um, gets rid of that whole, the, the t- like I said, the testosterone of the scene that you'd expect from like, oh, shit, oh, shit. He, he just lays the gun down. He, he lays down on the ground. And... And the guy holds his hand as he's bleeding out. The, the, the man who may or may not have shot his mother. Mm-hmm. And just cutting away from such a big moment, such a big dramatic uh, moment to an, to an action sequence, most likely, to, to like a very, very, very... Um, like, it's like sympathetic. Yeah. It's very sympathetic. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. when you, as you're watching the sequence, you're like, oh, shit, I, I, hope, he, I hope he finishes this off. I hope he gets them back. He does, but it's not, it's not, it's not, I don't, I didn't feel good after him doing that. You feel horrible for... That, that almost got me. Yeah. That's, that's something, if, if I could ever try, that's something, that was unbelievable to me. I love that. And I think, yeah, that's, the film does a great job of humanizing these, these people who are just... Do horrible acts or whatever, except for I guess the politicians. Yeah, because there's, there's politicians <laughs> that are like, oh, no, that, crazy that, rapist. Well, I guess leave like, that for happiness. That's the best film to approach that, I guess. But uh, I was going to say also back with your editing, your comment about editing, and also with just mm-hmm. his response. I think the thing that the film does the most successful is it relies on your sort of unconscious ability to make assumptions. And I think that's what the editing does so incredibly is because it just suggests yeah. little bits of thing very unconsciously that yeah. paints this huge yeah. picture. Yes. And that's what's amazing well, with one of the, the character like, especially. One of the is him speaking like under his yeah. mouth, like, yeah. little yeah. Yeah. He's like saying really clearly like, very, very vulgar. Really yes. vulgar but also like like strained oh, what yeah. he can't say out loud but it's not like when would he be saying that as he's yeah. by himself with his mother downstairs cooking being like well, and is it, yeah. just the, is it the narration in his head? Yeah. Okay, you, this, you guys are going to love this, honestly. Uh, <laughs> he said that Lynn Ramsey sent him a video of fireworks and said, this is what's going to be, this is what is going on in your mind. And he said, I love that. I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. Because Joaquin Phoenix said um, in this interview with, with uh, Peter Travers that uh, it's very difficult to chase a feeling and to chase like a mindset. And also it's very difficult to push yourself as an actor into places that you're not comfortable. So 
what a lot of directors, and this is kind of what his comment was vaguely about all of directing, right, is that directors, they go through like, okay, what's your character background, like what are these very literal aspects, what's the causal relationship of this character to this character, you know, narrative stuff, but very few give them something to put them in a mood. Mm -hmm. So when she set him fireworks and said, that's in your mind, he just was like, oh, I can do so much with this, mm -hmm. because it was something to give him that like, he could interpret, and it's... That's a really wild story because I think yeah. that she like sent that to him. Like, like yeah. I said, they never met. No, she that's just, like, like messaged yeah. him like fireworks and, or something. Yeah, when he says the thing too under his breath, he's like, "Shut the fuck up," you know. He says that, and it's like so perfect because yeah. communicates the mental noise that he's experiencing. Yeah. yeah, I so I like I like that a lot. That's like one of that was probably my favorite part in the film was like those noises that you really couldn't like so especially in the beginning like some of that stuff like with the. With the, oh, yeah. the thing and with the, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, the noise that, you know, it's like whispers and stuff. I thought that was very interesting. My only, so this is, I think the film is very good. Just, <laughs> I think the film is very good. But the, the reason, and I'd like to ask all you guys about this. What I think does, like, I don't think the movie's a masterpiece. I think the film is very good. And I wouldn't I, say so either. Okay, I'd like to describe why I think the movie's not a masterpiece. And maybe ask to you guys what you think about that. Like, I think, and you know, this I think is a perfect thing to talk about post Lucrezia Martel, post Zama, because it's two very different interpretations of time. And in terms of the Lynn Ramsey one, it doesn't seem like it like it goes and again, this is like a hypercritical high end high end like That's the term I use yeah. when I start Whenever I criticize Come and See, yeah, not exactly, like exactly. the best art house movie to lead off the semester. No, something. exactly. Something that's like stupid, you know, like yeah. I'll just the yeah. background is uh, you're like cri you're like criticizing basically yeah. on whether it's trying to be the greatest film of all time. You yeah, know? you're criticizing yeah. if it's like the greatest exactly. thing ever, or if it's like you yeah. know very very good. And like in yeah. this world, so, there yeah. are we we can make very absolutely wildly absolutely. large absolutely. conclusions about <laughs> yeah. yeah so this is. I'm glad. I'm glad we prefaced this comment with that. <laughs> Explain. You Explain. Took your own comment. Let's hear. No, this. I mean, I just want to. Pre I don't want to be an asshole. And you just know, throw I, it out no, there. It's, yeah, I mean, this yeah, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna hyper criticize your kind of criticism. Sure. This is an audience of like. So, we need to talk about Kevin. This is the greatest like criticism to ever be made. Yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> okay, so I think thing, a lot of people are going to see this film, and I think that's great. I 100 percent agree. I 100 percent agree. And I love seeing. I might go watch it again. So. Let me know when you go. I'll just <laughs> spit it out. <laughs> so, okay. No, no, sure. So the, the thing is, in terms of looking at this in the same lens as we're looking at the Lucrezia Martel thing, and in terms of the causality of time and, interpret and interpreting time and interpreting sound through time, this film is a little too literal in that sense. Right. Whether it's taking, it's, taking mem it's taking these events from his past and it's sort of going, okay, this guy's like a fucked up guy, right? And it's going, okay, he gave a chocolate bar to a kid in the army and then the kid got shot by another kid, you know, and this is part of why he's traumatized and uh, he, there was abuse by his father, you know, and there's these sequences of, um, of uh, his father, you know, kind of beating his mother and him like maybe trying to kill himself in the closet when he's young. So it, it, it is creating this causal, literal, it has a causal, literal approach of time and of trauma, which is fine, you know, but in terms of talking about it being like a, the furthest it can go, like I don't think that is the furthest it can go. And in terms of like, again, I thought the sounds, like I, I hate doing this, I hate going, I think the movie should have done this, that's not the way I, but yeah. I'll say that it would be much more interesting if the movie was more of an exploration of him going like, oh, you fucking little whore. And that's like yeah. the only thing you'd get from the past because, and this is something we've talked about a million times because you can't really recreate 
And this is something Joaquin Phoenix, you talked about Joaquin Phoenix and Paul Thomas Anderson talked about The Master. You can't really recreate the past. You can't really go and film. Okay, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the reason why I'm traumatized. This is a kid yeah. shooting another kid. The answers to the questions, essentially? Yeah, you, you, yeah. because that's not really, well, and, that's what, and that's what Lucrezia Martel proves, right? Is that the, you can't go and look at an event and go, this event is why I'm traumatized. This is why my body is the king. You know, this is why. No, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like, in, it's like in Pedro Costa cinema, of course. Oh. We have to bring it up. Oh. It's like in Pedro Costa cinema. <laughs> you don't go and you shoot Ventura leaving his wife. You shoot him being in an elevator and remembering her, remembering the sounds or remembering her asking or imagining her asking about what kind of food he's eating okay. or you shoot so, or in the case of the master you shoot Joaquin you don't shoot Joaquin Phoenix fast you shoot him like you know trying to drink missile juice you know so it's that <laughs> that is yeah, infinitely fuel, so. so it's infinitely more true and it's infinitely more complex and it's inf infinitely grander to shoot someone thinking about the past than actually okay. recreating it so you know? so if I could ask a follow-up question, yeah. so you feel that cinema is more successful when it's in the present tense, more or less? Yeah, I feel like because you're not literally because like, you can't you because you can't create it like yeah. the, the best the best way because what is even the past? What is even the reality of the past? There's all these again like yeah. Martel speaks like you can't really go you're ahead watching the past. If you're, you're seeing a film exactly. You're never seeing the actual present. It, no, it's like uh, it's like James Gray says. You know, it's like an, it's like the an immediate memory. You know, okay. so you can't really go back on that and then. In terms of what actually is true to cinema, it's cinema's the flesh, right? right? So what's more real than like, like a like Joaquin Phoenix's scar? You yeah. know, that's much bigger. Or what's more real than a sound than him yeah. saying little Whisper fucking more? Like ah, yeah. oh, that's much more real than you getting the actual shot of his mother. You know, getting like beaten. You yeah. know, because what, what is too that? much? Then is what you're saying. So, it gives you so too much of a. I I hate to end the podcast here. <laughs> oh! Uh, first, uh, what is it called? Like cliffhanger. So the Nabil question is for you, listener. This is this is the question is for you, Nabil was asking you specifically, listener. So I'll I'll just I'll just I'll just finalize by saying I understand. Yeah. What you're saying, and it's I don't I don't think it is hypercritical because it's it's very valid mm -hmm. because it's it, I think it's really I think it's too literal is the term yeah. I would agree with the yeah. I think, but compared to the average film, it's, it's still a great literal. film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. and it works. Or, it yeah. does, and it does that well for sure. It's and like not every approaching film that well. Zana, yeah. yeah, of course. So, it, so it, one of the and no one's films. looking too much. So it's so <laughs> we are never really here as mid tier, and you're saying uh, Zala no, is, like, no, is the end tier. This is the thing: you were never really here as like a 99 percentile movie. Yeah, like yeah, every yeah. movie that's ever been yeah. made, it's at the top. Yeah, there's that many movies, absolutely. right? But Zama is 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, Zama yeah. is a top 15 <laughs> film ever. Yeah. Top 20. 15. Wow. I don't know. I haven't ranked it yet, but if I see yeah. it 10 more times, it's tough. It's tough. I disagree 100. It's stop. Oh. It, it's stop 50 for sure. I'm not sure exactly. I saw it twice in two days. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. If you all want to say goodbye. Uh, yes. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Hey. Hit that like it's, button. It's, like, it's, it's the second time that Aryan has edged us as we were like going into like a very interesting thing. In, the, in no, Zama, we're like, I, yeah, and Vicuña Porto is talking in Portuguese. Isn't that crazy? And then we're going to delve into the depths of cinema. It's good to my audience members. Like on Facebook. Shut the fuck up, you little